Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael, and I'm with Tony DeSero and Trip Turlington. Good to see you guys. How you doing? Yeah, pretty good. Good to see you. Hey, so I've got a couple of gear announcements. You know, we, uh, we're just getting over NAM time, and I've, I've tried not to bring them all in at once because there was just a lot of announcements, so sure. sprinkling them in here. Uh, we've got the Pioneer DDJ RZ. Have you seen this one yet? No. So this is uh, essentially, i got a picture here for you guys. This is essentially... Um, a DDJSZ, but it's the record box DJ equivalent. So it's gotcha. it's all designed around and geared towards pioneer because you know record box is now fully fledged actual DJ player software like Tractor and Serato. Right. Uh, so the RX, the DDJ RX, was the first uh, sort of uh, device that was fully you know geared towards that, and so this is kind of the. The SZ, the RX, and the RZ are kind of the, the SZ and SX equivalents. So for Rekordbox instead of Serato, so it's top flight. DDJ RZ is the first professional native controller for Rekordbox DJ, giving you the flexibility to prepare your tracks in Rekordbox and then get plug and play performance directly from your laptop. Um, That's what I was, not to cut you off, but that was my very first uh question because I, my experience with record box has been limited to cdjs and mm-hmm. uh, you know so when i pull when i plug my usb stick in then that's my experience with record boxes yeah. i can i've got the ability to you know uh navigate through uh the folders with the cdj i'm not seeing that here so it still requires a laptop it still requires a laptop okay um so this is this is a controller not like a standalone device which was kind of a theme of nam really uh right. jim and i actually released a standalone controller and denon um denon yep. yeah so it's kind of a it's the the new thing is screens and and standalone but uh the the cool thing about the about this one the rz is that you can so if you do that prep in record box and you export it like that that stuff translates now across gear you know so if you if you're aspiring to play in the pro circuit or want to play on like quote-unquote club standard gear and so you're going somewhere that has pioneer cdjs and everything you know you can do all your prep work and all that kind of stuff at you know at home on this controller and then all that stuff will just translate perfectly you know across Hmm. you don't need as opposed to bringing your laptop and having serato and all that kind of stuff so you know there's a really good use case for people who don't uh, want to spend all the money on the CDJ DJM 900 setup sure. but still want you know it's the same demographic as the SZ sure. essentially so let me ask when i do my prep work with my my loops and my cue points and all of that stuff in Serato on my SZ at home whenever i play shows where there's a 2000 nexus i can still plug in my USB stick and my cue points show up and are usable on the nexus so what what does this actually get me that the sz does not uh well i i i don't know that it it gives you anything specific other than there's like there is a new feature that's called the oscillator sampler 
Um, so it, it, I'm not exactly sure what it means, but it says it has four preset sounds: noise, sign, siren, and horn. But you oh, can yeah, load the, the SZ has it, and it's. But you can load. Can you load custom samples in the SZ? Yeah, you can load okay. uh, into the sampler. As far as the oscillator sampler, it's it, it's really useless in my opinion. Uh, it's got that cliche. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, please stop it. Like, <laughs> well, I, was, I was confused. There's. They call it the new oscillator sampler in the copy in the the press release. So okay. I, I guess I was under the impression it was a new thing, but maybe they just worded it in a weird way. <laughs> right. But yeah, I don't know that you get anything. I think it's more along the lines of it's if if record box is your format. Yeah, yeah, it's designed around the layout and all that kind of stuff is very intuitive intuitive towards the record box workflow. What's so. the price tag on it? A two k. Oh, okay. So it's you know similarly priced. So that's that surprises me a little bit because if you were if you're looking at either one of those, me personally, I would still go for the Serato unit mm-hmm. because if you bought that unit and still wanted to play on Serato or if Serato was it already was your format, you just kind of get more bang for the buck because a, a standalone Serato SL3 or 4 or whatever you know iteration they're up to now, those are not cheap either. I yeah. mean, those are five, six, seven, eight hundred bucks too. So that's true, and you get you get the and DTS capability yeah, and all that yeah, too. Exactly. Yeah, so. I think uh, you know I read something about DVS. I don't. I think that I don't know if it supports DVS out of the box or if it will. I know it's got like six analog inputs, and you can hook up you know turntables and all that. But sure. Um, it's it's an interesting piece. What I think what I what I think I would rather see from Pioneer is something is the all in one something that doesn't require the laptop that has those HD screens and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. If if something like that came out, I'd sell my SD and go for that. Mm. But uh, until they do that, I, I think it, it almost feels like they're just teasing us. You know, yeah. Oh, here's the next thing to cater to these people. Here's the next thing to cater to these people and these people. And you know what it seems like to me? I think that I think they're trying to unmarry themselves from Serato. Because they've gotten really in bed with Serato. Sure, yeah. And now that Rekordbox DJ is a thing instead of just Rekordbox and where mm-hmm. it's the actual playing software, mm-hmm. it seems like they, they did this with Tractor too. Remember, they started coming out with the DDJ-T this or the, you know, right, right. For, for Tractor stuff. The DDJ-T1 was one. Um, and then they just kind of broke apart from that. And it's this smacks of that to me like they're trying to break themselves away so that they can maintain their quote unquote club standard foothold in the booth right that's just me speculating sure oh, I mean that's all any of us can do is speculate <laughs> I mean that's all I'm doing is speculating on it as well you guys what do you guys think about rotary mixers um for me I, I've never really been a fan of them I, 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 I know that either. there's I know that there's like uh, an enthusiastic mm-hmm group of people out there that that really love them but i've just never taken to them i'm super excited that they're becoming a thing again but i've never owned one i just i think i like the idea but i it's one of those things that i've i've never spent a great deal of time with them and so i could get one and then not like it so much and the the thing about good rotary mixers is they're like zillions of dollars (laughs) so (laughs) i'm not willing to just find out you know, by right. by dropping the cash, but uh, so you, you guys are probably familiar with Rain's MP twenty fifteen, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. So they came out with MP twenty fourteen, and this is sort of the two channel equivalent. Um, so here's a picture I can show you guys. 
Uh, basically, you just take uh, you know the the latter two channels and hack them off, and and you've got yourself a, a slightly more portable two channel version of the 2015. Sure, it's pretty cool. The thing I like about it too is it actually they market it as a two channel mixer, but it actually has a third um, kind of auxiliary right. channel. So you know, I immediately in my head I started going, oh, so. Then I could take like like a tractor control D twos and put them on each side and or and then like control remix decks while I'm playing normal decks through the actual channels one and two and you know then suddenly I'm in my head spending thousands of dollars. <laughs> Never mind, which but, is easy to do. Yeah this, uh, yeah, this one goes for I think two grand as well. So it's still yeah. a pricey, oh, yeah. very pricey piece, but. Um, I think that's a standard price of every new piece of equipment. I, it's two grand yeah. out of the gate. <laughs> right. So the next one comes out, then it drops. Well, they say it's for the discerning perfectionist DJ who only needs two channels but requires the utmost in technology, simplicity, reliability, and portability. The MP2014 is built for DJs who love the classic rotary mixer experience yet refuse to compromise cutting-edge features. So hmm. they hack a few hundred dollars off in a couple of channels, and so it brings it down... Uh, I don't say into affordable territory, but it's right. <laughs> at least somewhat cheaper than the 2015. So, sure, guys. Today, I would like to talk about art and artistry and how it relates to DJing. So, art is basically whatever anybody says it is. Um, so, similar, similarly, an artist is anybody who says that he or she is one. So this leaves the definition of art and artist so vague that it's kind of meaningless. So, you know, does the simple act of creating something allow somebody to call themselves an artist? Anybody can call themselves anything, but the test is whether or not you're actually qualified. So what does it take for DJs to call themselves artists? I think we need to be able to discern the difference between artist and musician because all too often I hear DJs refer to themselves as musicians and some of them are Uh, and I think if we reach back to previous episodes context is what's important there context and perspective so to me in my opinion I don't think that every DJ is a musician the reason that I say that, and it's going to offend a lot of people out there, is because you didn't make that music. So mm. if your definition of a DJ, the very basic definition of a DJ is someone who takes pre-recorded music and plays it in some form or fashion out to a group of people that are willing to listen, then you are still not technically a musician. You are playing back that music, but you didn't create it. Now, you can really start splitting some hairs there once you get into things like on-the-fly remixes, mashups, and especially in the DMC hip-hop world where you can start taking, you know, a funk record and then a beat record, and we've seen, you know, these DMC artists, you know, we've talked about Vect and Craze and uh, the Scratch Pickles and all these guys on, on the show before where they are taking stuff that, yes, it's pre-recorded music, but they are making something new and almost completely different, from, if not completely different, from the original music. 
so, sort of using the the turntable or whatever as, as an, an instrument. instrument. Correct. That's that's something that I was going to speak on. Is is an instrumentalist an artist? Yeah, I, I would say in for for me in my definition, I would say that. A musician is an artist. I would say a DJ is an artist. And where the artistry comes in is anybody can paint by number, right? Mm -hmm. But when you go to paint that picture, what's your interpretation of it? Do you follow the the color gu- uh, the color guide and and do everything exactly as it says on the box or do you put your own spin on it? Right. You know, or in the context of DJing, yes, you are playing with a bunch of pre-recorded music. But you're putting your own creative process on it. Right. You know, so, and if you've put enough thought into it, especially for things like studio mixes, you know, have you put enough, put a lot of thought into not just what songs you're playing, but the order you're playing them in? Going back to previous episode where, you know, the subtlety, you know, mm-hmm. what what elements are you pulling out of it and... What are you doing with those things throughout? I was I was gonna um, kind of compare. I, I would never call myself a guitarist, a drummer, a violinist, but I played all three of those instruments. Never took them anywhere, but you know when you play a drum, you hit a drum at a certain velocity. You pluck a guitar string, you pluck that string light, you pluck it hard. It depends on the sound that you want to get. When you're mixing music, a pre-recorded song that song already has however many stems that song has but if you're mixing the song and you're bringing it in without the bass or without the treble and slowly bringing it in it's to me it's the same difference as plucking a string this hard or this light you know the way you're bringing your mix in so it's still you're putting your own creative process and it's still a form of art absolutely yeah yeah it's like dynamics but kind of on a different scale right you know where you're as opposed to um you're still playing expressively but it's more of a it's just a different approach absolutely so i wrote a post called why djs are not musicians <laughs> now that you said all that trip um but that was that was kind of also intended to be a little bit of a fiery headline. So I I start out with whoa oh, I opened cheek. that yeah <laughs> I start out with whoa oh, I opened that can of worms I can hear it now you know? right right because um, it's not it's not a it's not a popular opinion among DJs yeah. there are some DJs out there that and I I mean we we all three of us know some you know and I'm sure I'll get a call as soon as this you know podcast is released you know when when those people hear it. But, you know, just because you are a DJ does not make you a musician. If you are not, you know, it it can cross over into that territory. Yeah. But uh, I really think it depends on the context and, and what you are doing with said music. And if, if, as we've said before, if all you're doing is matching the last 32 to the next 32, I wouldn't... Yeah, and, and that was kind of what I got at in this, art, in this particular article because... What I was actually saying was DJs are not inherently musicians, right? So they're right. that's not a re- requirement of being a DJ, right? Uh, I will definitely agree with that. Um, so if you if you go to uh, dictionary dot com, I think, or the free dictionary dot com, they give two definitions for the word musician. First is one who composes, conducts, or performs music, especially instrumental music. 
The second definition is a person who plays or composes music, especially as a profession. It's already pretty vague, right? So e- even the dictionary is a little vague on this. Sure. Um, so you're already in pretty deep, right? Like, do, do DJs conduct? Well, I mean, what is conducting? It's managing, controlling, or directing the course of music. It sounds like what a DJ does. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. so if you're just using that as a definition, okay. You know, so do they perform? Because it says one who composes, conducts, or performs music. Certainly, some of them do, right? Mm-hmm. I right. mean, uh, you know, you're talking about the controllerists and uh, you know turntablists like Craze and Vect, and you know they definitely perform. Girl Talk, for example. Yep. So uh, you can't deny they're putting on a performance. Well. A person who plays or composes music, especially as a profession. Do DJs play music as a profession? Absolutely. So it, it's, a, it's a little gray. I feel a right devil's off. advocate point coming along. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, it, I mean, it gets convoluted because, it, it, I mean, you could argue that a conductor is, is directing other people's playing of music. Yes. For example. Um, or that playing music means to play an instrument. Uh, like a piano or guitar or whatever. Right. Um, but then the DJ could argue that the turntable's his instrument. So you can go back and forth on this, you know, all day. Later in this post, I put, let's put this another way. A driver is someone who operates a motor vehicle. Nothing more, nothing less. There's some excellent drivers and there's some bad drivers. There are some drivers who have mastered a certain technical excellence, such as Mario Andretti or Michael Schumacher. And then there are those who focus solely on artistic driving, like those in the drift scene. Uh, and then I post a video, um, drifting-related. I say, notice how they are simply driving to give a performance and not to meet a specific goal, like a time trial, for example. Uh, people who drive and compete like this are interested solely in the sensory experience. Drift events are judged more on what is appealing to watch than more measurable statistics like lap times. Who amongst these drivers are the artists? So... You know, I, I, another part I put in here is I don't think that someone qualifies as a musician simply by how they do something, but rather the reasoning behind what they do and where their heart is when they do it. Is that is that fair? It does. In other words, to call this artistry, does the end product or the quality of the end product matter, or is it about intent? Are we talking about musicianship or artistry? Because, as I was alluding to before, I think those are two separate things. I'd say artistry, because that's the topic. Right. Because if you're, if you're a musician, or if that's what you are trying to identify as, then there are some other qualifiers to be a musician. You know, you don't necessarily have to know music theory to be a musician, but you at least have to have some kind of experience mm-hmm. putting together some sounds in a way that becomes originally yours or that you know what i'm saying i mean is so here's a here's another good analogy somebody who paints beautiful pictures as an artist is somebody who takes all those paintings and makes a beautiful collage out of them an artist yeah i would say so. yeah because they perceive the picture differently so to me that's what djs do mm-hmm. right they're Absolutely. taking all these yeah. already made songs and creating a new... That's what DJs who are artists It's a form of do. art. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I think that probably the difference between somebody who DJs uh, artfully, I guess, 
what you need to determine is whether or not you are DJing as a performance or a service, right? So somebody who is playing top 40 tracks at a bar and your set list is kind of made for you and that sort of stuff, that might be more considered more of a service than an art because you know they they have to operate within those parameters. Now, how they present that music might be an art all in itself, you sure. know. So it's, I mean, it's it's definitely very gray, but um, the, you know, the difference is who's serving who. So, did you are are you there as a DJ to fill a need, or did people come to see you do what you do? You know what I mean? When when you're DJing at, quote as a service, and this might include uh, wedding DJs and that sort of thing as well, right? Um, the way that you DJ can be considered art. So adaptability, reactiveness, you know, crowd reading, that sort of thing, um, those could all be considered as part of the, quote, art of DJing. One thing that I, that I uh, want to bring up is, you know, you, you brought up artistry versus musicianship. What about artistry versus craftsmanship? Do you guys think that there's a difference between art and craft? Or is that? Do, do you guys think of that as the same thing? I think of it as the same thing. Okay. Yeah, I, w- I would say so. I mean, craftsmanship kind of, to me, implies that there's some kind of a signature to it. Okay. So, whereas artistry is more of a like an umbrella term that we all fall under because we're all artists as DJs. But you know, take any of these guys that have that very specific thing that makes them who they are and how they do it, to me, that's more craftsmanship. It's some kind of a signature thing that okay. that, identif- that you identify with. You know, if you think back to like medieval times, you know, there were some blacksmiths that made these very specific, you know, awesome swords and armor and stuff like that, and they were the ones who were sought after because of that craftsmanship. So I feel like... You know, in this term, it, you know, that's how I kind of identify with it. And it may be just splitting hairs in the vernacular, but... Sure. But it's, and that's interesting that you say that because I, I think of them in a different way. So when I think of... I guess I think of them, uh, you know, art versus craft. I think of them based on what drives them. So, uh, in other words, uh, art might be driven by imagination expression, you know, self-expression, um, acknowledgement, concepts, that sort of thing. Sure. Um, whereas, uh, so art is form and craft is function, is how I think of it. So craft is driven by experience, efficiency, it's results-driven. Okay. Um, so I have a quote here from uh, Tom Stoppard, who's a British screenwriter. He says, skill without imagination is craftsmanship and gives us many useful objects such as wickerwork picnic baskets. Imagination without skill gives us modern art. <laughs> so I thought that was an inter- interesting way to put it. Um, I have uh, a piece of another article I wrote. It's it's kind of long, but um, it's a story I think is pretty relevant. I talk about craftsmanship. This is from a, a post I wrote called Advice for DJs Who Aspire to Greatness. And uh, you guys are welcome to jump in here at any point if you want. Sure. Um, so I say, let me give an example. My grandfather, who's in his 80s. And before you get excited, no, my grandfather is not a DJ, (laughs) but he's a very inspirational person in my life. By observing him, I've been able to witness the results of hard work combined with passion. My grandpa loves building and flying model airplanes. 
not RC planes, control line planes. You know, the ones that are wired to a handle that you control directly by standing in the middle of a field or paved circle. More than flying, he especially loves building them for his middle-aged son, who's my uncle, and he competes nationally on that. Uh, so I said, do you know how much he loves building those planes? So much that he built a $20,000 addition onto his garage to contain his hobby because the spare bedrooms, that's right, two of them, were not cutting it anymore. So much that he hasn't dealt with kits in 20-plus years. He designs and builds his own airplanes that fly and compete from scratch. Now, to be fair, this is made possible by his other passions and his lifetime career of engineering and drafting. Uh, so much that he even designed, builds, and sells premium-level control handles for the planes because the stuff the market provided just wasn't good enough. <laughs> Ask my grandfather one question about one of his builds and be prepared for a lot of detail. He doesn't say, well, my last model felt a bit wobbly, so I adjusted the center of gravity a bit. He'll say something more like, well, I've been experimenting with crosshatch patterns in the design of the wing's ribs because I've found a great combination that will provide a lot of tensile strength and rigidity when compared to the last design, all while allowing me to keep the airfoil shape that I've designed in order to provide... So you get the point. Right. <laughs> so he, he gets super excited, super into it. It's not enough for him to compete... Uh, I'm sorry, to complete a model kit. He gets no sense of accomplishment out of that. He gets into his hobby's guts. Right. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the entry-level hobbyist or the dabbler who builds a few prefab kits and flies them once or twice a year, but there's definitely something that separates the men from the boys when it comes to any job, hobby, or interest, and that difference is craftsmanship. That very sentiment crosses over into DJing so much that it's, it's that all over the place, especially today with you know the entry-level controllers being so cheap you can't go anywhere and throw a rock without hitting 10 djs so it's not even that the difference is the people who have been playing for 20 years versus the bedroom guy who's only been doing it for three months sure the the years that some of us have is to our advantage for sure but there's some kids out there that are you know six months a year in and they're rocking these crowds and they and they get it but that that sentiment it, it's just that that whole attention to detail and 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 your true passion in what you're trying to do that's that that sentiment just resonates with me when we're talking about our passion mm. i go on digging into your craft because you don't know how to live any other way you dive headfirst into your projects because you love them that's what passion is mhm Passion is the love you have for something, and craftsmanship is the pursuit of mastering that passion. The craftsman treats this process not as a destination, but as something you will do until your last breath. I think that, personally, I think that, that learning a craft versus learning how to be an artist is different, but very related. Like, I think of learning, learning the craft of DJing or learning the craft of woodworking or something kind of involves learning all the mechanics and all that kind of stuff and learning the trade, if you will. Mm-hmm. But but being so consumed by that that you just want to be functionally awesome at it. And then art is like what you do with that, how you use the craft to express yourself does that seem fair or am i am i just yeah. splitting too many hairs there no, <laughs> no I, I 
No, I, I would say that you're pretty much hitting the nail on the head with that because it, that that kind of goes back to what I was saying when 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 I think of the word craft, that that's exactly what I'm thinking. Like there's there's this skill that once you master the skill, then what is the product of that? Mm. And and we we've covered it before, you know with all of the technology that we have now that does a lot of the skill for the new guy, you know, right. That's all fine and good. Some of us take advantage of some of those, those tools that, that, that take care of all of that stuff. Some of us don't, but what, what are you doing with it? And as uh, do you call yourself an artist because you move from one track to the next track to the next track and, or, or are you trying to push yourself to do something mm-hmm. a little bit more, a little more expressive, something that says, this is me, even if it's somebody else's music, I'm trying to tell you a story or I'm trying to present something to you that represents a part of me. Yeah, anybody can take the same songs that, that you or I play and, and play them in their own way. Yep. And that makes them an individual artist, you know, um, that's the way I feel about it. Tony, I know you're, you know, we talked, I think it was last week, a lot about how you zoom into the mixer and really like getting into that. You like the seamless mixing and all that kind of stuff. You know, I, I feel like you're really into the, the art side of this and, and how people express themselves through that music. What do you What do you look for or what catches your attention that makes you think this is... A piece of art who or even who maybe if you have any examples or stories i would i would love to hear them because it's i don't know i just watching you and just knowing you i know that that's important to you that you know not that they're just playing music but they're doing something with it absolutely like i said it's it's um we all have the same technology. We all have the same resources. We all have the same access to the to the songs, the sounds. But it's it's how you take those sounds. It's it's you as an individual. What you're doing with those sounds, what effects you're using to make it your own signature. You know, Dubfire, for example, um, using that rattlesnake sound. I, I love it. You know, I it's it's it's. I use it as well, um, not to the extent that him or, you know, when Richie Houghton plays and he uses, um, I'm not sure of, of the piece of equipment he uses, but it, it's it's the reverb that he puts on some of his effects. You know when, when Richie or Dub is playing and you hear those effects without even knowing it's their set, you know it's their set. You know, it's, okay, you know so. it's them playing because of those little sounds that they have taken and created and made their own throughout their set. So you see that that sort of signature that somebody has where you where they've created something, they've taken existing artworks and put their signature on it in a way that you recognize it. Mm-hmm. That's a form of artistry. Absolutely, that yes. That's yeah. a really and cool perspective. I've never even thought of bringing it up that way. Right. Well, and, and to piggyback on that point, I mean, take a look at uh, in the techno world, uh, 
drum code artists. Mm. Like now we, we may be crossing over a little bit into production there, but most of those producers on drum code also play out as DJs. Mm -hmm. And I don't care who you are, you know drum code when you hear it. <laughs> there's there's definitely that signature that it, you can even get from a group of people who work closely together it, to achieve that that type of sound, for sure. I think I found a good way to tell if a DJ is an artist and just like on a whim, and that's that they would rather play to a room of 50 impassioned music lovers than to 2,000 standard partygoers. I am one of those people. Though overall, we'd probably choose to play to 2,000 impassioned music lovers, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know that I am. It's a different vibe. You know, I've played to a couple thousand people a few times, and um, some of the most fulfilling sets that I've ever played have been to rooms of less than 200, mm -hmm. for sure. Um, I would say some of the most fulfilling sets that I've witnessed as part of the crowd are also those small, intimate, you know... 100 people, 50 people, maybe 200 people right. sort of event. But there's there's no denying that when you're in front of two, three, four thousand people and everybody's heads are, you know, jumping to what you're putting out there, that's electric. So I, I don't know that I would give any less of my artistry to the 2,000 person crowd. I think I would still put as much effort into that as I would the the 50 or 100 200 people tony when you're opening for a large act or you're playing a headlining slot that sort of thing like you're playing the big room and you're not necessarily playing to an underground crowd do you find yourself compromising a lot in that situation on what you play and do you do you still feel like you're performing art in those situations? Um, compromise, yes, but just a little bit. I still play my sound. I still play the way that I like to play. It is a little more watered down. It's not so um, techno-influenced. Mm -hmm. um, it's more of a progressive house-influenced, but it's still got the techno elements. And when I say progressive house, I don't mean what they call progressive house today. You know, it's not Avicii, it's not Hardwell, which if you look up progressive house now, that's on Beatport, that's all you find is, yeah. you know, stuff like that. But all the guys that I've opened up for, I've, I've kept it progressive with the underground elements. Mm. Um, but it, it's really hard to explain. It's, um, I do a lot of research. I go through a lot of songs mm. and I put, you know, 30 or 40 of them in a crate you know, a virtual crate. And I say to myself, okay, will this crowd understand this song or will the crowd understand mm. this or will they understand that? Um, but it's not so watered down to where it's taken away from my style and what I still love. And when I do perform it and I do play in front of these, these crowds, yeah, it's still artistry. You know, it, it's still me doing what I do. I would almost even say that that is part, even like maybe on a more meta level, that is that is an art in itself mm -hmm. because you're you're taking your sound and you're taking this crowd who's not necessarily prepared for what you would do if all bets were off and and everybody was there to see you do your sound, right? Um, 
so taking that and finding that common ground, I feel like is an art. It's yeah, Even it's, if it's, it's a, a different right. form of art. It's, it's a form of uh, of presentation. You know, mm-hmm. I, I present it to them the way that I th- I feel that they'll get it, that they'll mm-hmm. understand it. You know, um, context, baby. When, <laughs> right. <laughs> when I um, what year? It was. 2009, 10, um, I played at BOMA, which is now Bluestone, opening up for Benny Benassi. And I played an hour and a half. I played right before him. And I didn't play anything that was through the roof or that was just so jump up and, and, you know, but, you know, the way that I use the filters and, and bringing everything out and, and progressing the mix and using the effects, it creates those builds that the people want. You know, mm. I bring it back subtly. I don't bring it back to where it's just banging ass, you know, jump up and down, oh, take so the energy out of the room. So you've got tools in your arsenal that you can use regardless of, I don't want to say regardless of what you're playing, but... Um, to where you can you can generate those moments, those those crescendos, crescendos those mm-hmm. that ebb and flow stuff. Kind of no matter if how like how energetic you're playing, you can kind of take those pieces that um, it's a, yes that that aren't uh, dependent on the song you're playing. Absolutely, it's it's a mix of the song with the high pass filter, you know the effects on the 900 Nexus itself and Tractor all combined to, you know, two songs could be playing that actually have kick drums in them and that are kicking hard, mm-hmm. but you pass the filter on them, you use a little bit of tape delay with, um, you know, a, a half-step delay or an echo delay on the Nexus 900, and you can create all that as long as your you know parameters are dialed in properly, and you can slowly build it your own crescendo, and then you bring the filter right back to the you know to the milk line or to 12 o'clock to where it's all back in, and you know you just created your own breakdown and your own build, and you bring it back yourself. I'm glad you brought that up because you know we talked a little bit last week about uh, uh, slamming all the effects together and filling in time and, mm-hmm. and just doing it for its own sake. And and it seems like uh, a lot of DJs either are in one camp or the other to where they just never touch effects and like that's just showboating or whatever. And then there's the other side where they just smash them and go crazy and as many effects as they can to show off. But mm-hmm. you don't do that. You're you're in a select few who use it as a tool mm-hmm. you know what i mean like there's intention there yeah there's intent there's a reason that that's happening right yeah well and especially with 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 genres like techno and tech house you know you can take one of those loops it, this is actually a production method for me so anybody who's listening whether you're a producer or a dj here's here's you know something that you can try if you're into this type of uh genre but you take a sound you know whether it's a kick drum or a a clap or a snare drum or uh even if it's like a bongo or something like that and then apply a little bit of chorus you know so spread spread that sound out a little bit then add your tape delay or or some kind of a simple delay something along those lines so now all of a sudden you're creating a texture 
mm. add a little bit of reverb to it so that it's not so choppy, you know, it, and be and especially with effects, sometimes less is more. So you know, add a little bit of reverb to it to kind of just give it a little bit more breathing space, and then cut out you know your your lows and bring down your mids just a little bit, keep the highs a little crisp. So then now you've got this repeating loop on one deck that as you bring, you can bring that in and out. I, I do this all the time. It's, and anytime that we're right, or, you know, I or, or Tony and I are, are writing some kind of a techno uh, thing, that's one of the very first things that I go to. It's like, you want to, create that like percussive mm -hmm. but not overwhelming you know, some kind of a layer and when you do things with intent like that rather than you know oh I'm just gonna hit the delay button so that I can you know mask up this you know messy mix or something you know I mean it, there's there's intent there and, and I, I feel like that is part of mastering the craft for your artistry used a word while you were talking there, texture. Mm -hmm. That right there, just using a word like that, tells me that you think of this in an artistic way. Because Absolutely. when you, you know, you're thinking of sound elements as uh, texture, or as, as uh, soundscapes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, layers. And, you know, your, your, <laughs> your basic DJ, um, as in, you know, the term basic bitch. <laughs> I was trying not to go there, but your quote unquote basic DJ, okay, right, right. will just play songs and, and, you know, mix every 32 and then, and then the whole standard thing. Right. As opposed to what you just said, hey, what does this element add or what is missing right now? Right. Or what does this crowd need? Or So I think a lot of it has to do with that reactiveness, that adaptability yeah. too is... You know, which doesn't necessarily apply. You know, that's not a requirement of calling this art because you might sure. be putting together a studio mix or something, and there's definitely a lot of art involved in that. Right. But you know, that kind of reactiveness, or or at least that intuitiveness to know, hey, if I if I add this element, this loop, this texture, this soundscape, or or if I remove any of those things, here's the effect it's going to have on my product and my Listeners. listening audience. Yep. Right. Yep. And so for to take it to the other extreme, we've talked before about how I'm, you know, I've got multiple DJ personalities um, because I play so many different genres. But like when I play drum and bass or breakbeats, I will find tracks that have those particular elements. So like either a bass swell or some kind of a growl or a drum roll or fill at the end of a phrase and. And I do this a lot with glitch hop too. So where I'll find those elements, and then that's where I get fader crazy. And I try to. So once you've got two two tracks in time, and then you know start slamming, you know flipping back and forth between your one and two, and doing it in a, in time, you know you can get some really cool textures and effects and. While it may look like it's showboating, and sure, part of it is. I mean, that's kind of the purpose of yeah, being okay. up there and, and, and giving some kind of a performance. Nobody complains when Eddie Van Halen sh sits and shreds his guitar. <laughs> it's not showing off. No <laughs> doubt. But so that's that's another that's another example of of 
my intent. So like, yeah, anybody can fader freak all day, but are you just picking two tracks and putting them together? Because that doesn't always work. Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's another thing that like, especially when I'm watching other DJs and how they put their tracks together or put their whole sets together, you know, what, what kind of things are you doing? So it's cool because we've kind of talked about the difference. You know, you started out with the difference between artists and musicians. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's, you, you could argue that that's, you know, we're just arguing semantics. But um, I think the reason it's important is because, you know, music, a musician, that term is almost, it's almost more specific. Right. You know what I mean? Because art. If you're saying you're an artist, you know, we've covered a number of different ways that a DJ can be an artist. You mm-hmm. know, it's not just uh, how you play one track or how you transition from one into another. You know, there's all these more top level aspects to it. There's this empathy and this reactiveness. There's, uh, you know, intuition and knowing how to add or, or remove elements as necessary, you know, and that sort of thing. Some of that probably goes into craft territory, and so that's why you know it's it's one of those things like we want to be careful not to just nitpick this to death. Right, but, right. Uh, um, I do have a question. Okay. Um, if I was to go to any music store and pick up a tablature book, a guitar tablature book, and learned how to play any given song tablature, and I learned that song through the tablature, does that make me a musician? I'm glad you brought that up. In my opinion, you're a musician but not an artist in that case. Why so? Because, um, well, it, based on just what you said, if you're just, well, if you're just mechanically playing whatever's in front of you, then you can claim to be a musician. I think if you claim that you're an artist, you have some of this other expression and all these other elements that we've that we've talked about so far so like um it comes back down to like kind of the service versus performance thing so if you think of like a session musician who might come in and uh lay down a drum track or a couple of chords for somebody to sing over or that sort of thing they might not necessarily be performing art in that case like or somebody who creates jingles uh you know that sort of thing for radio maybe they don't consider that art Maybe that's just a service they're providing. Um, so let you me guys ask have you, disagree? I so mean, let me, think? I was going to say, so let's say under Tony's definition there, let's say somebody goes and picks up, you know, tab, a, a tab book for whatever given song. They learn that song and their intent is to play that song as a cover. Mm-hmm. So then, I mean, and Tony and I deal with this week after week you know, at Dayton Studios. So when somebody comes in and they want to perform a cover, they may be playing the guitar to the to the tab as it is in the book, but if they sing along with it and they're putting their own spin on that, then that, by your definition, that crosses over into artistry That territory. makes them an artist because they made it their own. So... I learned 10 songs, tablature. I go up and, you know, I'm playing with a band and we do, you know, we do 10 songs in a set and I play all those songs, but I don't need the tablature in front of me anymore. I learned them all. Am I a musician? 
because the singer the singer could be doing his own thing and making it his own thing but me as the guitarist i'm still i'm still playing the cover of that song you see what i'm saying so i guess you're so you're asking is somebody who's playing accompaniment performing art basically or are they a musician are they a musician okay sure yeah i think anybody who who competently plays an instrument as a musician so so having said that and tying that back into a dj that plays pre-recorded music Mm -hmm. in a fashion that he wants to play that pre-recorded music is he a musician you see what i'm saying here sure like i'm just trying to tie these couple things Um, in together that that's why i personally i say that that person is an artist and not necessarily musician now because to your definition there, the the guitarist is still playing the guitar. Mm-hmm. If we purchase a piece of pre-recorded music, we are not sitting there with the MIDI controller and the sequencer right, and the synthesizers and all of that stuff and and replaying all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. All we're doing... We're not playing each individual note, et cetera, et cetera, right, et cetera. Right. Well, this is kind of... So when we started out, I, I started going down this path of intent. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's why that plays a role, because at a certain point, it, it comes down to a matter of opinion as far as oh, yeah. whether or not you're performing art. And that, that line is going to be different for everyone. Sure. And the ability to call yourself an artist is not affected by others' willingness to appreciate your art, I don't think. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I, I, yeah. um, I go into a restaurant here in Dayton, <clears throat> excuse me, here in Dayton, and I see all these paintings on the wall, and these paintings are three, four, five hundred dollars a piece. And I'm looking at these paintings like, what the hell is this? You know, it just looks like <laughs> a, a, just a bunch of jumbled paintbrushes just thrown together. But you know, to the person that made it, you know, the vision that they saw, it, it, it's art to them. And it, I mean, it, don't get me wrong, it's art to me. But when I look at it. It's not art that speaks to you. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, and I think that that's, I think a lot of people get hung up there. They they make their determination on what on, they perceive. Yeah, on who is an artist or who is not based on what they like or don't. And I don't think that's really fair. Not I at think all. that intent plays a much bigger role there. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm looking at this painting based on what I see and saying, what is this? But to this guy it's it's art to this guy and it could be art to the next 10 people behind me but just because i don't see what's in it does not mean it's not art or it's yeah. not it's not a form of talent you know what i mean sure. i don't i i will never say that because you know hey that guy probably spent 20 30 40 50 hours who knows on it and came back to it 10 different times because he saw something different just because i didn't see it doesn't mean it's not art yeah yeah. Now, conversely, if they had taken, if if the person who created that painting had instead just taken a picture of that piece of art and then pasted it on there and said that I painted this, okay, the the work of art that's on the wall might look exactly the same, but the intent is different. Right. That person wasn't expressing themselves. Now, now I'm going to get all kinds of hate mail from photographers. Okay? That's <laughs> right. not what I'm saying. <laughs> but. You know, the intent was different there. Right. And I think that that's huge. Everybody perceives it all different. Yeah. You know, and just because I perceive something different that Trip might perceive different, that you might perceive different, does not by any way, shape, or form make it not art. 
Yeah. You and know, it's, it's self-expression. Yeah. And, and it's interesting that you, you had said that, David, because I saw, uh, I either read an article or I saw it on TV once or something like that, but um, where there's actual counterfeit painters and that's mm. their job is to paint actual works of right. like priceless art and make them as close to the originals as possible. And there, the, the context that I was reading that article under was, are these people really artists? Like, is there an art to copying art? <laughs> I'd say they're craftsmen for sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's, to that's the great that you brought that, that up. That art, the creative process and because you're copying something does not make it creative it makes it more of a craft uh, well i would be i would be careful with that because i think for example dj's or people who do collages can be artists mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. and we're using you know pre-existing pieces of art to do that right um, but your general sentiment i think uh, that's probably pretty fair to yeah. me yeah before we go let's talk about uh, trips doing a new series of posts that um, well, I'll just let you explain. <laughs> what I would like to start doing uh, is a throwback Thursday content. This whole stemmed from an idea for a blog that I had. And what I would like to do is start reaching back into my past and being a DJ for as long as I have, I've got a lot of tracks in my head that, you know, are just quintessential or they're, 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 they're required listening for, you know, any DJ in my opinion. So what I would like to do is start reaching back into my past and start presenting those, uh, telling a few stories, maybe introducing people to some, uh, new, but old artists and, uh, maybe try to translate, you know, what made those tracks so great and bring it to the PDJ awesome. audience. So there's, so this will be, uh, for, did we decide trips, throwbacks, throwbacks? Yeah, let, let's go with that. Trips, trips throwbacks, throwbacks mm-hmm. uh, starting probably this week. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so is there any particular style format genre no. that you're taking no. to this? The only thing I would say is it, it, it'll be, DJ centric so okay. you know danceable you know track so anything hip hop or maybe even rap uh, anything electronic you know it, the things that I've, I've definitely had so no country no <laughs> uh, you know no Seattle grunge no you know Guns and Roses nothing like that yeah. but you know stuff that's definitely spoken to me in my DJ career for sure awesome Very yeah cool. I really look forward to that that'll be fun so watch for Trips Throwbacks coming very soon, yep. probably immediately, maybe even by the time this comes out. Right. So before we go, I'm going to end on a quote. It's nice, short, and sweet. This is by Edgar Degas, who I'm not sure who that is, but uh, the, the quote goes, Art is not what you see, but what you make others see. Folks, that's it for episode 31. I've got one action I'd like you to take this time. I know a lot of times we throw a bunch of social media at you and stuff. Just follow us on Instagram. Hit up Instagram. Uh, dot com slash passionate dj or just go to your instagram app follow passionate dj i post all kinds of pretty and cool behind the scenes photos and it's just it's pretty fun the instagram account's been getting a lot of attention and so 
uh, definitely go and join that. Check that out and, and watch the behind the scenes and, and the videos and clips and shots of what this cool Dayton studio place looks like that we've been recording at. And so we will see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us and see you next time. Later. See Thanks for listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast at www.passionatedj.com. Check out the fan page at facebook.com slash passionatedj or on Twitter at DJ with Passion. And always remember to keep on spinning. Give me 20 seconds. Sure. Actually, 19, 18, <laughs> 17. <laughs> Is it? <laughs>